Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of this week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine. And with me today is... Retired Lieutenant Frank Borelli. Thankfully, God, how do I say this? August has been so hot for so many people, and I don't want to wish away time, but I'm so ready for campfires and chilly nights. It ain't fun. I want to make chili really bad, Joe. Oh, I, I, I'm the other side of that. I'm a summer guy. I, I, I like the summer. I, it, if it stays in the seventies, eighties, I'm just happy. So, uh, yeah, yeah, as as the summer winds down, but, but the Southern part of the country seeing a hundred, 110 for three weeks in a row every day. So I think they're probably ready for a cool off too. But anyway, let's get into this. We'll get right. We'll get started right away. Uh, First story out of New York on Long Island, where a Nassau County uh, police officer used all the tools available to him. And in this case, his cruiser to stop an armed woman who was walking uh, in traffic, pointing the gun at uh, cars and families. Um, video uh, from the incident shows uh, the officer actually using his uh, SUV to sideswipe the woman and um, take her to the ground. And even after she was struck by the, the vehicle, she still got up on her knees and started going for her gun again. Thankfully, other officers were there on the ground and were able to apprehend her. Um, but... It, quick thinking as far as a, as a way to, to defuse that situation. Oh yeah. And we, and we have to remember that the, that patrol vehicle is just another tool in the toolbox and can be used to deliver force. Now, what I want to call attention to, and I won't spend a ton of time on it, having watched this video several times. uh, And I know I'm politically incorrect. This is a transgender woman um, who's waving a gun around in a intersection as he walks along. And then as the police start to show up and get closer, he puts the gun up to his own head as if to say, I am no longer a threat to anybody. I'm just suicidal. Now, in the movie SWAT, they called that a Polish hostage because he was holding himself hostage. If you come near me, I'll kill myself. That doesn't do you any good. But the police officer didn't see any need to get out and try to engage this individual. Just hit him gently with the SUV. And it's not like he ran the guy over. Um, hit him in, in one side. It was actually an excellent hit for what he did. Hit him in one side, like hip and leg. Um, knocks this guy to the ground. Gun goes flying out of his hand. And the guy gets on the ground. And, and I keep saying guy. I am talking about this transgender woman. It's a guy who's dressed and looking like a woman. Um, on the ground, kind of holding his hip where he got hit. And then as the police start to approach on foot, he starts to go for the gun. And then, you know, the police are on top of him and and the fight ensues. And for somebody who's hurt, he fights pretty good from the ground. He starts kicking and thrashing and there's no injury that's preventing him from moving. Um, You know, in between the getting knocked down and going for the gun, he stands up. Um, I think this video is going to be great for the police department when this case goes to court. You know, you know, though, and this is what irks me because I've already seen variations. There's a variation in this video where all you see is the person appears to be a woman with a gun to her head, gets hit by a police car. And that's the end of the video. 
somebody is going to crucify the police department saying that they had no compassion and, and they use this vehicle as an attempted murder and blah, blah, blah. And then if you see more of the video, you get the full picture. It irks me no end, uh, and I'm sure it's going to happen, that we will see the police department crucified over the use of the SUV as, as a forced delivery tool. And it was an excellent, excellent choice. Very well done. And the person was not severely injured. And, and like you pointed out, the way the vehicle hit uh, the the individual, it, it sideswiped her and and it wasn't a straight on um hit um obviously still going to be painful but um like you said right or being run over by the wheels and you know having bones crushed and things like that so um yeah again i i think sometimes in these situations where violence is threatened um there we've yet to develop the the tool that is going to render someone um incapable of harming individuals without harming them necessarily uh, you know well, even it's not non-lethal like you know it's less lethal it's less lethal but the, at the end of the day the only way to overcome violence or the threat of violence is with a, a greater level of violence um we we have never come up with a 100% peaceful solution to uh, take a person off of a violent course of action. And I don't think we want to, because honestly, to do that, we have to take over somebody's thoughts, uh, impact their motivation against their will. I mean, we, we, we've been talking about thought control at that point. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm in favor of that. Anyway. Moving on to our next story in this, in this case, we're going to, we're going to tackle two of them here. Um, uh, two scary situations for officers. First, we'll start in Oregon, um, where uh, body camera video uh, captured um, uh, a frightening moment where two officers were had pulled over a driver uh, suspected of driving under the influence and were conducting field sobriety tests when another accused drunk driver uh came spinning in an out-of-control vehicle and slamming into one of the cruisers there. Um, the officers luckily were very were 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 far away from the accident there that the no one w- was injured a, a, as far as they go. Um, but uh, the the body camera captured that scary scene. And then the other story uh, we want to touch on here is out of Connecticut in Middletown, um, a police detective uh, responding to a call, um, she confronted a suspect who um, was carrying a hammer and attacked, um, bludgeoning her several times uh, with the hammer. Um, She was, luckily she um, had stitches, suffered bruise and cuts, um, but, there was so much blood from that uh, on both her and the suspect that when other officers arrived at the scene, they thought that she had gotten off a shot and had shot um, the suspect. That was not the case. Um, police were able to apprehend him. Um, uh, one of uh, uh, one of the, an official from the department had said it was um, 
you know, the detective was fighting for her life on the ground um, while this man was was attacking her with the hammer. Uh, and this also was caught on um, the officer's body camera. Um, and again, another scary moment. Yeah. So let's taking these in order, the drunk driver, uh, you know, all too often. And, and we have a lot of law enforcement injuries and unfortunately line of duty deaths that occur because of this officer on a traffic stop. Whether it's a traffic accident, he's got somebody else pulled over, um, you know, she's interacting, helping a disabled vehicle on the right side of the road, whatever it might be. Um, and here comes somebody who's either distracted, uh, you know, drunk, asleep, whatever it is, and they hit the police officer or hit the officer's vehicle. And we do everything we can. Law enforcement does everything they can to protect themselves on those roadside calls and on the scenes of accidents and everything else. But this still happens far, far too much. Um, I'd really like to see a greater penalty for um, drunk drivers and negligent drivers, distracted drivers uh, who who cause these injuries and the property damage. I'd, I'd like to see some acceleration charges beyond they're going to get charged with DUI or they're going to get charged with negligent driving, uh, distracted driving. Um, to me, it, it's and I you know where I live, we have a, a bridge. And it's a pretty narrow bridge. It's one lane in either direction and it curves. It's about a mile and a half long going over the river. And all too often, I if you're going one direction, you know, you're going uh, around a left-hand curve, a curve to the left. The driver coming the other way is messing around on their phone and they're not staying curved to the right. They're drifting into your lane because they're not keeping up with the curve. And you got no place to go. It's going to be a head-on collision. And I just, just distracted driving is a pet peeve of mine. Um so, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that the officer wasn't hurt, that they were far enough away, but that happens all too often, mm -hmm. and uh, officers really need to be alert for it. And then, you know, on this hammer attack in Connecticut, Joe, God bless uh, this Detective Travis, um, you know, on, on the video, when you look at this guy attacking her with the hammer, he looks deranged. I mean, he, he looks like he's just coming hell-bent to crush her skull with this hammer. Um you know, according to the article, she drew her weapon as the guy's running towards her, but doesn't appear to fire a shot until she's on the ground. Uh, I can't help but think that either there was a problem with her backstop. In other words, she wasn't sure she had a clear background behind this uh, this attacker, Tate, um, or she was just that afraid of what the repercussions were going to be in today's world that she had to wait until the threat was existent. I mean, Here's a guy running at you with a hammer. To me, that's a threat. Once he gets anywhere close enough to hit you with the hammer, the threat's not any longer imminent. The threat is real, and you may potentially die. I mean, nothing says he couldn't kill her with the first shot to her, her head with the hammer. Um, but article says she doesn't appear to fire a shot until she's on the ground. Um, and apparently a witness, another citizen, you know, distracted Tate long enough for her to scramble away. Um, now, she fired apparently several shots during this uh, fight with him on the ground. Uh, she shot herself in the hand. And when you think about what has to happen for that circumstance, you got your hand on the person that you're trying to defend yourself from, trying to hold them off of you while you point the gun at them with your other hand, which you're trying to hold back close to you so it's not easy for them to take or impact. Uh, and you shoot yourself through the hand. Now, that's a whole lot better than dying. But... Um, you know, we've, we've seen it before. It's that that to me uh, is a great descriptor of how imminent the threat this was, how dangerous this was, 
uh, how in fear for her life that she was. Uh, you know, kudos to the officer. Uh, I'm glad that the court apparently up there is keeping this guy in jail. He's got a, a more than a million dollars in bond now uh, before he can get out. Um, you know, it, hammers are a deadly weapon. Lethal off, you know, lethal force is no no doubt should be used. I'm sorry this detective seemed to have hesitated, but I wasn't there. I'm not being judgmental. Um, I'm glad she's alive and doing well. Um, a lot of lessons learned there, and and it just it's a scary situation. And I think that this is an example too of when you do hear um, remarks about how oh the person only had a knife or or they only had some type of blunt instrument. Uh, this shows you exactly what what can happen, you know, and like you said, luckily, there wasn't a blow to the head um, that could have caused death or, or, or brain damage or, or, or something along those lines. And going back to the. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going back to the other story, too. Um, since the pandemic, um, police, firefighters, um, tow truck operators have have seen an increase in these types of um roadside crashes that that cause injuries and in you you mentioned drunk driving distracted driving one of the other cases too just pure speed and impatience um yep. especially around construction zones or accident scenes that where lanes are cut off people yep. thinking you know what i can go on the shoulder i'm just going to circumvent and uh, it, it it just it's it's the what's infuriating is it just that doesn't need to happen and no. and, and you know um, on this hammer on the hammer article mm -hmm. uh switching gears final comment yeah. i guess we I, I all the people that say well it was just a baseball bat it was just a crowbar it was just a hammer he had a knife and he was 20 feet away i'd love to invite them um to come into the training for for the for response to those kinds of incidents and let them see just how much damage and impact can be done and how easily it is to harm them or kill them and why law enforcement is authorized to use deadly force in those situations and where. Um, and I, I don't think people have any understanding um, unless they actually go through the training and they feel the pain. And I'm not talking about hurting with broken bones and all that, but when you when there's tools where you can take edge weapon training and you get shocked by the blade when it contacts you and there's a pain penalty because you didn't stop that um if somebody you know is shooting at you and you get hit with the the uh simunitions or paintball or whatever there's there's a pain penalty and you learn that okay you start to realize oh this hurts and i'm not even dying i don't want this to happen and they get some insight into what law enforcement does and why and, and just how silly their remarks are when they say, oh, it was only a baseball bat. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Next story. Uh, we head to Florida. Um, we've talked about uh, water rescues before. Uh, this is one of the more dramatic ones that I've seen. Um, this is out of Orlando. Uh, police officers rescued a man trapped uh, in a car, um, partially submerged in a retention pond. And video from this rescue shows two things that I, I found remarkable. One, um, you see the teamwork of these officers in the moment, uh, working in tandem, showing their they're seeing their training come, come through to pull this man out of the car and get him to dry land. Um, but the other thing is you see just how fast 
that car goes under because they get him out just as you're seeing the taillights submerge into the water. Um, it, it's a it's a pretty remarkable video. Um, again, um, it, it's one of the the more impressive ones that I've seen, uh, largely too because the body camera captures a lot of it, and it's not just a lot of flailing arms and um, you know blank space. So. Um, I, I, these guys did a, a great job um, getting this uh, driver to safety. Yeah, and and the teamwork is impressive. Um, like I said, you know, four four officers going out this, and and they really kept their 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 sensibilities. They really kept their calm about it. You know, what I mean, they're excited. It's it's a it's an emergency situation. Um, you know, they find the car partially submerged, and they're calling out to the driver, asking, "Hey, can you open your window?" You know. The driver doesn't respond, but it, according to the article, there's a series of loud bangs, and the officers thought the driver was trying to bust through the window. Now, I don't know if anybody listening has ever tried to break out a window in a car. <laughs> it's damn hard to do. Um, I've told my wife, point blank, if we end up in the water, it's going to be loud because I'm shooting out a window. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just, you know, this, breaking out a window, especially with water pressure on the outside, yep. it's near impossible. Um, and then another officer said, okay, go in, go in, go in. Two of the officers, smart of them, took off their heavy gear and waded into the water before swimming out. Officers have to remember if they're doing water rescue work, working in or around or near it, we wear a whole bunch of stuff that will make us sink like a rock. And we don't need to be the next victim. Ditch the heavy stuff. You don't need a gun on to go do a water rescue. You need somebody else to have secured that gun for you. Another officer to secure that gun for you while you go do the water rescue. Body armor is not going to help you. Stuff like that. The radio. You ain't taking it in the water. Um, and your wife will kill you if you go in with your iPhone. So don't do that. <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, then once they get that guy out, one guy says, hey, car's moving. Yeah, it is. It's sinking. Get this guy out. And they do just in the nick of time, like you said. And then more quick thinking, the driver's pulled out of the car and holds onto a rope that was thrown out to them uh, so that they could be pulled back to shore all the way around good reaction and good thinking from this team of officers. Nobody took any unnecessary risks and you end up uh, essentially with four hero officers and a safe citizen. So yeah, kudos mm -hmm. to them. Yeah. Thumbs up all the way. Um, our next stories, we're going to be looking at um, the, uh, the continuing issue with the uh, recruiting and retention. Um, first, uh, we'll we'll start uh, in Minnesota, um, where the city of Goodhue was surprised, I suppose, to find that they were without a police force after the resignations of its police chief and one full-time officer. Um, this was following uh, the resignations of five part-time officers. Um, we've talked about sort of these types of mass res resignations at small departments before it in a lot of cases the reasons why uh, are, are are a bit murky murkier excuse me murky or at least unclear um in this case uh, it was pretty clear uh one of the main points of contention was low pay um and that uh, it had hit uh, a breaking point for these officers um uh, we also want to talk about here going to uh, New Orleans, um, where the uh, ranks there have dipped below 900 officers, and that's the lowest since the 1940s. 
Um, the upside for New Orleans, however, is that despite uh, the low number of officers, uh, violent crime, crime is trending down, but officer applications are up and the recruiting class is the largest since 2019. So hopefully for New Orleans, this is that's kind of kind of hit bottom, so to speak, and, and, and they're rebounding up and seeing a, a, an uptrend. So let's let's tackle this place in in uh, is it Minnesota? Yeah. Um, the Goodhue City and Goodhue County. Now we, we talk about mass resignations. Understanding this was a little police department, right? Mm-hmm. Full time chief, full time officer, and then five part time officers. If you consider each part time officer a half an officer, and I'm not trying to, to demean them, I'm just talking about for budgeting purposes. Five part-time guys is two and a half full-time guys. You're only talking about a four and a half man full-time police department anyway. Just barely enough to cover about 22 hours a day if nobody ever takes time off, nobody ever calls out sick, nobody ever goes to training, right? Can't even cover 24 hours. But uh, given that it's Goodhue City in Goodhue County, it's probably not a whole lot of people in that county in that area anyway. So it's not like there's this high density of crime. For all that, Police work is police work, and the city was paying $10 an hour less than the sheriff's office, the county, around them. Um, now, let's think about this just for a second. Yeah, it's it's sad they were being paid that way. Uh, too many people, little town, town clown, Barney Fife, blah, 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 all of the negative, insulting, unappreciative crap that gets said. Um, those, those officers do the same job. They respond to the same calls. They take the same training. They face the same risks. And some of them are just as heroic as anybody you'll find on any big agency anywhere. Um, if not bigger heroes, because they don't have the backup that you have in uh-huh. an inner city. Now, once this police department goes away, then the sheriff has to pick up all the slack. So now the cost of those calls for that city essentially has been transferred onto the county. And so the same thing with Minneapolis after George Floyd incident. And people were saying, we're going to defund Minneapolis Police Department. We're going to get rid of the police department. Well, that doesn't mean the 911 calls are going to stop. That just means that the county police and the state police and the sheriff's office, whoever else has jurisdiction, they're going to have to answer all those calls. They're going to have to up their manpower. Guess who they're going to hire? All the guys who just got fired from the city because the city decided to do away with this police department. So all they really did at that point is transfer the cost from the city taxpayers to the statewide taxpayers and county taxpayers. People need to think about what they're doing and why. A lot of politicians, I get it. There's a budget crunch. They've got to fight for this. But at the end of the day, um, you got to prioritize public safety and education. And if you can't, you know, then, then why do you have your own city government? What's the purpose? So you can rub elbows with the mayor and, and the, the city council members and, and feel like you're, you're bigwigs? I don't get it. Um, so kudos to the sheriff for cut, take, picking up the coverage. Uh, he's going to end up hurting for manpower as a result because effectively he just got the work of five more people and he doesn't have five more people on his agency. And it sounds, um, it sounds like they expect that to extend, um, you know, into 2024, you know, possibly longer. Um, you know, the other thing too, they might, this small department, they might not, um, be doing murder investigations. It might not be sort of the this the sexy crimes that you see on CSI or whatever, but y- you know what they do have are things what what we just talked about in that last story of 
needing to help people in in cases of, of accidents um you know like you said public safety and um and i think sometimes that gets overlooked um by the public that it's not just about cracking down on on crime it it, it is also about ensuring the public safety you know, here's the biggest difference. And, and people, like I said, people make fun of town police officers, city police officers, little police agencies. Here's the difference. If you're working for a big police department and you've got calls backed up and you get a call for a breaking and entering, you go take the report. Either you or an evidence tech might take some fingerprints. There's going to be an investigation, but you're going to be there just long enough to get the information you need and get back out because you have another call to go. Got to go, got to go, got to go. The town officer can go take the report talk to the resident about how to make the, the the house more secure, harder to break into, help them understand the process of reporting things to their insurance company, making a list of the stolen property, giving them, you know, this is the information you're going to have. They can actually spend the time to be helpful to the citizen and not just generate the report. And I'm not being critical of the agencies that are so busy, they just generate reports. Right. All I'm doing is singing the praises of the small town officers who care enough, and they're and they're the hometown guys, and they know it. They're talking to the citizen, the resident, by the first name because they saw them in church, or they saw their kids are on the same boys' club team, or they go to the same community pool, or you know because that that person's kid works part time at the movie theater, and they see him every Thursday night. It's a personal relationship as well as a professional one, and it extends the humanity of the profession. All right, I'm getting off the soapbox. That's Oh, we had to talk about New yes. Orleans, though. New Orleans? Uh, yes. Congratulations to them. Uh, you know, I'm not saying congratulations because they got, you know, less than 900 officers for the first time since the 1940s, but because their crime rate has been going down. Now, that, that can be artificially manipulated if you go about it the right way, and I can't imagine that's what they're doing because inevitably it's great, but it hurts your funding, it hurts your budgeting, it hurts your manpower, it hurts everything. Um, it's going to take... You know, we earlier we talked about the, the situation in Goodhue lasting into 2024. It takes, on average, three months to hire a police officer and six months to train them. So even if you could hire five new people today, it's going to be nine months before they're on the street. That, guess what? That's spring of 2024. So New Orleans is going to have to take some time to come back. But it says that they've got the biggest recruit class um, that they've had since 2019. You know, we're, we're finally we're coming out of the COVID depression and uh, I, I love seeing this. I love seeing the fact I hate to see that New Orleans is down that far. I love to see him coming back and and growing. That That's a good thing. And, and mm -hmm. I'll, I'll leave that at that. Yeah. And, and when it comes to the recruit classes, we've we've seen, um, you know, recently uh, recruit class numbers being pretty anemic for some large departments. So it's it's good to see that um, New Orleans, at least, is is bucking that trend and. I know I, I was um, I had seen earlier stories too earlier in the year um, that when it came to Mardi Gras and police um, coverage of that, um, that they they really struggled. So hopefully, yes, they're they're on the upswing. Well, before Hurricane Katrina went through, they had almost eleven hundred officers. So that's how much they're down, uh, you know, in, in almost 20 years. And mm -hmm. I'm glad to see it coming back and I'm glad to see their recruit classes growing. Final story. We 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 leave on a positive note, and this is uh, out of my backyard. Um, in Chicago, uh, 
police officer William Martinez and a young man uh, named Devin Watson uh, met in a three-month mentorship program at Devin's school. Um, this mentorship went well beyond um, just uh, th those three months and really about uh, really beyond being mentors. They became friends. Um, it, five years later, um, Officer Martinez is not only helping um, Devin pack up to go to college at Monmouth, Monmouth College in Illinois, but also uh, going with his family, taking his family and, and, and going there, um, bringing him to college. Um, it, it, it's just a great story. And um, reading the, the quotes from uh, from Devin about uh, sort of the relationship uh, he and Officer Martinez had is, is just great. Um, uh, he, you know, he I he had friends who were like, why, why do you have a cop as a, why is he your, your friend? And, and he's like, nah, he's, he's just a guy, you know? And, and it sounds like uh, this isn't sort of like a, a one-off, if you will, for officer Martinez. It sounds like um, he, he makes an effort to really connect with uh, uh, his community. You know, so it is interesting. The thing I want to point out most about this, and I tip my hat to officer Martinez uh, for going above and beyond, I tip my hat to this young man, Devin Watson, who's going off to college, um, who hasn't had a father since he was five years old. Uh, you know, um, uh, it, the article doesn't say whether father left or father died or whatever, but mom says he lost his father when he was five years old. I tip my hat to the mom because the mom obviously was not teaching her son about the evils of the police department, right? Mom, mm -hmm. her reaction was, uh, you know, her son says, I'm going to go hang out with my mentor. Mom says, well, who's your mentor? And he says, oh, he's a police officer. Mom says, that's perfect. God love this woman. Um, you know, so. And, and I love Martinez's statement. He says, you know, me and Devin built up. We're family. And they've been this is five years now. So he you know, start, starts out in this mentorship program, but it grows and it stays. And, and, the, and Martinez says, you know, a lot of youth here, um, it isn't just an officer will. I'm not just officer will. I'm whatever that person needs me to do. They, they need an uncle. I'm, a, I'm an uncle. They need a cousin. I'm a cousin. They need a friend. I'm a friend. And people forget, right, and it goes far beyond this particular story. Police officers wear so many different hats. Um, you know, we, we are grief counselors. We are fight referees. We are mentors. We are coaches. Uh, within the limits of, of the law, we offer legal guidance to people. We give them advice. We're enforcement tools for the state and for the county and the city, whatever. Um, we, we wear all these different hats and, and people tend to forget this, but this guy, uh, you know, Officer Martinez, he's wearing all the hats that show what kind of human being police officers are and really calling out the strength of the relationships. But I still, I'm still amazed. I still go back to in a world where everybody seems so determined to hate the police and crucify the police. God love this woman who tells her son, that's awesome. You've got a mentor that's a police officer. That's what you need. Congratulations to her. Congratulations to this kid, Watson. Um, I don't mean to demean him, calling him a kid. Anybody under 30 is a kid to me. Um, <laughs> going off to college, and uh, Officer Watt, Officer uh, Martinez goes to see him off with his family. It, it is. It's just a good feeling all the way around. 
Yeah, and, and uh, to to hear his mom, to, the idea of, of needing that guidance. Um, I, you know, when you when you're raising teens, um, boy, they're they just they're bombarded with so much, and you know, for the first time, having to make real choices in their lives, and you know, I. I think the best thing to have for teens to have is, you, you know, like when kids go bowling, they have those bumpers, you yep. know, you, and for people in their life who are those bumpers, they're not, they're not rolling the ball, but they're there to kind of help them along. So they, they get to the pins and knock them over. Yeah, exactly. Well, that is all for uh, this roundup. I'm glad we were able to end up on something positive. Um, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we hope you're back next week. Um, that's all for me. How about you, Frank? Now, I, I want every officer out there to look at Officer Martinez and realize the humanity that we take to the job. Find that person you're going to mentor. And if it's not somebody in your community, find them on your agency. Be a mentor. Be a coach. Uh, the, the job we can do coldly professionally all the time, find your humanity and share that. And, and I think we'll help the community see us in a better light. That's a great note to end with uh, everyone. Uh, take care and stay safe. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the lineup. Please remember the opinions voiced are not those of officer media group or endeavor business media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.